This episode of the podcast is brought to you by The Magic Star, Five Steps to Deliberate Creation, which is my own little formula for magic. It's the way I personally practice magic. This is an audio journey that I created very much in the same tone of the Hippie Witch podcast. If you like the podcast, you will probably like this. And right now, for a limited time, it is 50% off, 50, 50, 50% off when you put this code in at checkout, all lowercase, one word, groovy. When you put the word groovy in at checkout, you get 50% off the magic star, five steps to deliberate creation. There will be a link to that in the show notes, or you can find it over on Gum Road. What if Dolly Parton wrote us a theme song? Would it sound like this? Would it sound like this? Peace, love, and all that good shit. What if Dolly Parton wrote us a theme song? Would it sound like this? Would it sound like this? Hippie Witch, season six. That was a good one. Hello, thanks for joining me for episode 538 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe and I am the groovy creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com where you will also find the show notes for this episode, including links to today's whimsical, magical guest, Penny, just Penny, of what Penny made. Penny is not a podcaster. She is not a person who is looking to promote a book. She was definitely caught off guard when I asked her to come on the show But I like to do that sometimes. I like to reach out to people who I personally find interesting. They're not on a mission to like take over the world or make some big impression. They're just kind of humbly going about doing their thing. Penny's thing is super cool. She is an artist and a scientist. She worked in the Peace Corps. She's a fascinating person. So I made it my business to drag her onto the podcast and thankfully she was game. She was game to do it. We talk about all the different modalities she uses to express herself. But the thing that I was most excited to talk to her about for you, if you are a creative person or if you are a person who wants to create a business online, or you're somebody who has problems being consistent, maybe you wanna be a content creator, I really wanted to ask her about this daily practice she has. That's what first got my attention about her. We'll, 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 we'll get into that with the interview. I don't wanna to get too ahead of myself, but I just kinda of wanna sell that a little bit because she talks a lot about that and why it has been powerful for her. And then what surprised me during the interview is her work in the Peace Corps. I really knew nothing about the Peace Corps at all. So it was really fun getting to ask her about that and inspiring. I loved listening back when I was editing this interview. I was smiling. I was like, wow, this is so amazing 
I feel honored to have her on the show because I've never had someone on talking about the Peace Corps, and it sounds like such a vital organization, so I think you're really going to get a kick out of that. She has some interesting things to say about food as a gateway to spirit of place and environmentalism. So yeah, you're going to love this. I just know you're going to love it. So without any further ado, here she is, Penny of What Penny Made. Hi, Penny. Welcome to Hippie Witch. I am so happy to be here. And let's just get this on the table right now. Your name is in fact Penny. It is, in fact, Penny and just Penny. It's not short for anything. I get asked that all the time. It's just Penny. (laughs) Oh, that's a cute name when I think about a little girl being named Penny. Did you like it when you were little? I did. I got a lot of really annoying jokes all the time, Mm. (laughs) but I always enjoyed being the only one named Penny. I never had to deal with being like the fourth Matthew in a class. Um, Right. (laughs) I kind of love it because it seems to suit you. There's something whimsical about it. Oh, thank you. I am flattered you you perceive me to be whimsical. <laughs> of course, of course. When, and lucky, lucky penny, you know, up until a, a certain age, you find a penny and you're like, good luck all day. Yes, put it in my pocket. <laughs> so I'm feeling like that about you. I kind of drug you on the show. Maybe against your will, but you're here. So I'm super thrilled about that because I don't know very much about you. You are this super prolific, daily creative artist on Twitter is how I know you. What Penny made. That's why I was like, is her name even Penny? I don't even know because she (laughs) doesn't talk about herself. (laughs) Your website also doesn't give very much away. The the facts I have are you have a couple of degrees in environmental science. You served in the Peace Corps. This is all true. (laughs) You make a lot of art. I do. I I have a daily practice that I've been committed to since, I'm going to say 2017, every single day, every single, single, single day. That was the main thing I wanted to talk to you about, because I actually mentioned this a lot, like during coaching calls, I'll be like, there's this lady named what Penny made on Twitter. Oh my goodness. Really? Yeah. And I always always say, I don't actually know what she's trying to achieve exactly. And that is a question I have for you. I was like, but what I love and what I admire is she's there every day posting a new piece of art. It's very simple. It's very impactful. And some of us are following along and that is, that is a way to begin, you know? For sure. Why do you do this? Penny? Why do I do it? Okay. Well, let me tell you the story. I was actually a very, I've not been on the internet for very long. My family were really late adopters to the internet. Okay, okay. And I was a very studious person for a very long time and busy with other things. That's I, the two degrees. <laughs> yeah, got a few degrees. And then I, so I wasn't, I didn't have any social media presence at all. When I was in graduate school, I was moving around a lot and I had my art portfolio and all this artwork I had made and I couldn't take it with me. So I, started taking pictures of it and I didn't know where to put these pictures. So I stored them on a Tumblr blog in like the 2010s, whatpennymade.com, which was not .com, .tumblr. That was a placeholder name because I couldn't think of anything better. And that was just where I put all my artwork. And then 
I started moving around a lot. I served in the Peace Corps, didn't have an online presence because I didn't have access to the internet. Mm. And it was while I was in the Peace Corps, I decided to start a daily doodle practice in part because I didn't have access to the internet and I needed things to do. And I'd heard about things like Inktober. I didn't quite get it, but I thought that's a really great challenge. So in October, I decided I would draw something every single day and I just kept going and I haven't stopped. (laughs) So now you share this with us every single day. What made you take that leap? Yeah, I came back to the United States. I got my very first smartphone. So I had access to Instagram. (laughs) You're fancy now. I know. So yeah, I got access to Instagram and I, and I was in a place where I didn't come back to where I had grown up. I have ended up on the, in the Pacific Northwest. So everything was brand new to me. I didn't know anybody. And a lot of, a lot of my first few months were all introducing myself and telling people who I am and what I'm about. And everyone wants an elevator speech, right? but I'm, you know, like everyone, I'm a multifaceted person. Am I a scientist? Am I an artist? So introducing myself was real hard and it's hard to make friends and (laughs) it's complicated. Yeah. So I think my, my daily drawing practice was a way for me to introduce myself (laughs) to the world. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all very most of the time it's very um, self-narrative. It's whatever comes out of me that day. So sometimes it's great and sometimes it's crappy and sometimes it reflects how I feel. And I think that's a really, it feels autobiographical. (laughs) Yeah. That's a really important part. That's partly why I will point people to your Twitter feed. I'm sure probably your Instagram has more followers, I'm going to guess, or like your TikTok, you're on TikTok. I want to ask you about oh, that, yeah, I am. but I'm a Twitter, <laughs> I'm a Twitter lover. So I have that like limited view and I'll point people there and say like, this is a daily practice, you know, look at this, like this person will show up no matter what. Sometimes it's just a doodle, like just a light, quick sketch. Other times it's a more intensive thing. And each day, you know, there's going to be another and another and another. And I think that's really important for creative people or people who want to be content creators to see. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I've found that in my own artistic practice, it has been an excellent way to just keep the creative juices flowing. Um, Like I said, some days, you know, the muse doesn't show up and I just spit something out and it doesn't have to be great. It can be really awful, but I did it. And then other days, I just want to keep going. And so I do. It's a way to catalog, catalog my feelings like a journal. But my, the drawings I drew are so small that it's a very easy daily commitment to make. And I, I can flip back and grab ideas that I had that one day and turn them into, turn them into something else, further develop them into something really cool. And I wouldn't have had that idea to grab onto if I hadn't have doodled it down. Yeah. <laughs> you just gave me an idea. Is there an internet flip book? I feel like we need a flip book where you can just <laughs> go back through like, look at all of the art over all, when you started this sharing practice in 2017. I was overseas and not able to share, but as soon as I got back to the U S in 2018, I started sharing mm-hmm. and I have not missed a day. So 
I've done over a thousand of these little drawings. I love it. We we draw in a similar way. I doodled. I my first <laughs> my first business I started was illustration based and I thought my current business would involve more of that. I still sell some t-shirts and stickers and stuff like that, but it's really not central to my business. So when I first encountered you, I got that little ache of like, oh, I like to do this too. <laughs> and I just enjoy the vicariousness, vicariousness of it. <laughs> I love it. It's really fun to watch you play around with a lot of different mediums. You do needlepoint, watercolor, pencil, acrylic collage. The only thing I do that's similar is the coloring pages and ink on paper, but you are multi-talented. You bake. There's baked goods. <laughs> I do. <laughs> There's an acorn coffee, which I'm understanding better now that I know you're a scientist. <laughs> that stuff too kind of came out when I was having to learn how to live in this new place. I've always been being interested in, in science and the natural world. I've always felt very close to my natural environment, but I grew up in the Ohio River Valley, which is ecologically just very different. And so when I was trying to feel at home in a new place, feeling at home meant that like, I needed to learn all the trees and flowers and plants here. <laughs> I just love, I just love that about you. That's so sweet. And I wish more of us felt that way about where we live. Just cultivating that sense of place. Part of how I get to know a place is by by eating it um <laughs> I need to know how it tastes first yeah. of all <laughs> can you really know a tree if you don't know what it tastes like <laughs> mm. did you pick the pacific northwest for the reason that is so interesting ecologically or was there a point did you just pick that place on a map for a reason no so my partner and I served in the Peace Corps together and they got a job here in Pacific Northwest, left me high and dry all by myself on top of a mountain for several months. <laughs> um, but I had a place to come to when I came back to the United States and this was it. Uh, so it was, I didn't pursue it or anything. It just kind of happened. Oh, it seems like the perfect environment. Oh, I love it. I was, mm -hmm. it was a little weird at first. I had to get to know it, but I have fallen in love. <laughs> Didn't mm. think it was possible, but it happened. <laughs> Are you near the forest? I am in the perfect place. I'm in a valley. So I am an hour from the mountain, an hour from the ocean. And I'm like 15 minutes away from blueberry farms and apple orchards. Um. <laughs> wow, that's so fun. How did we get acorn coffee? I live near an oak savanna. I'm actually very blessed to live right by this beautiful park that's a historic homestead. And there are lots of oak trees and some fruit trees. And I'm there every day. So in the course of identifying what are these plants and trees and can I eat them? <laughs> Acorn coffee presented itself. I've never heard of such a thing. I, I think I even asked you, like, is this real or is this just, <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't know if it was like a theater piece, you know, or if you were actually making coffee with acorns. It's delicious. I have some sitting next to me right now, actually. <laughs> and that, that was a TikTok video you made. Yes, it was. TikTok's so, a, a, a whole new, 
whole new world, new frontier. Yeah, I'm wondering about that because my perception of you originally was that you were shy. You were making things, but we weren't seeing you and we weren't getting really like opinions and things like that too strongly. It would be in your work, but you weren't like, here's my life. Let me tell you what I'm thinking <laughs> today and no selfies. And then all of a sudden, I think it was the acorn coffee that it clicked for me that you were on TikTok. I'm a and, person. <laughs> yeah. No, I knew you were a person, but I was like, oh, like I thought, I thought you were shy. And I'm like, okay, you, you can, can you be shy and be on TikTok? I don't know. I am so very shy. It was a big leap for me to like get on camera and show my face. And it's still something that I'm self-conscious about. But over the last few years of sharing my work, which was also a big step because my work has very private about it. I think like a lot of artists are, you put so much of yourself into it and then you don't want it to be judged. But I, was, I, I shared it only to those closest, with those closest to me. So, so beginning to share my work was a big step for me. Mm. But what I, I learned from that was that the people who love it present themselves, like that your people find you when you share yourself. Yeah. And what I also learned when I started a business <laughs> was that there are lots of places for people to buy greeting cards and stationery and, and art. So why should they buy yours? Well, it's because they like you yep. um, and my personality comes through my work. And so I'm not the best artist in the world. People, people just get to know me and like me. <laughs> so it became more important. I think it became apparent that it was important to put myself as part of, keep in mind that, that my, my person is part of my business and mm -hmm. And yes, I'm still shy, <laughs> but I am on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I think there's something very special these days about buying a handmade greeting card because everything is so slick and glossy and corporate and you can go to Target and get the card that 5,000 other people are giving their grandma that Mother's Day or <laughs> right. you can be like, oh, that artist, I like her on Twitter. Yeah. And, you, and you also get the sense that you're supporting a small business when you buy a piece of handmade art because that's not scalable, you know, and I, I have an interesting feeling about that where artists are constantly being pushed to create scalable businesses, which makes so much sense. I'm not anti-scalability. But at the same time, if you can make a living making art, I feel like that's enough. You don't necessarily have to scale is what I'm saying. So I think people really appreciate someone who's working at that level, even if it's before they're on the target shelves. Do you know what I mean? Just for sure. For sure. Yeah. And myself, I think I'm a horrible business person. I do all the things you're not supposed to <laughs> supposed to do. I'm not interested in scalability or hardly profitability. <laughs> so I know I'm making poor decisions, but it's Maybe important not, to no, me no. to, Wait, let's to not be call, authentic. They're not poor decisions. They're poor. <laughs> they're poor financial decisions. That's true. That's right. Not they're great decisions for me. Exactly. Poor decisions for making any money. Going back to what you were saying about the daily practice of it, I think 
the idea of being vulnerable and sharing your art and what will people think of me and what if they don't like it? I feel like the antidote to that is a daily practice of sharing because every day is a new opportunity to connect. And if somebody's mean to you one day and you show, show up the next day, that takes a lot of courage and you get over it and you survive it. And then three people are nice to you in contrast. And then you just keep going. And that mean person gets left in the dust and that momentum of doing the thing day after day, I truly believe it is a courage building exercise. Oh, absolutely. It's a courage building exercise on on a lot of levels, I think, because you're right that showing up and being vulnerable and having something to show the next day. And at the level I'm doing it, I do something every day. So it's not like I poured 40, 47 hours into this one painting and showed it and people didn't like it. (laughs) <laughs> so right. it definitely builds builds the courage to show that little bit of vulnerability. It also builds courage to create things. When you're doing it every day, you can't treat it as precious. You're allowed to mess up and you'll have another opportunity tomorrow. It's not something you're you're pouring hours and hours into. It's not something that you can afford to care too much about. So you can't care about messing it up. Mm. Your momentum was a great word to use. Once you push past, I don't know, an object in motion stays in motion. Yep. It's and it so makes true. it a lot of easier to keep creating. I used to always say energy begets energy. I've kind of outgrown it, but for a long time that carried me along. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I just found it to be true. You also said the word afford, which made my mind leap over to this work you did with the Peace Corps, where you were basically turning trash into treasure. And I was wondering if you can share that, because I think it's important. There is a blog post you did that I can't remember the name of, but it was about this. So I'll try to remember to include that in the show notes, because I do think it's a really important message. But can you just kind of give us the Cliff Notes version off the top of your head of what that experience was like? Yeah, thank you for asking. This is a a project I'm very proud of and feel very strongly about. So part of my work when I was serving with the Peace Corps was to do just general environmental education in the community. And part of what the community that I was living in struggled with was solid waste management. It was a rural place. And so just utilities (laughs) were, were difficult. Having someone collect garbage wasn't always possible. So drawing awareness to the presence of the waste and alternative means of using it was an important activity. And the way that I chose to do that was through art workshops where I would meet with school-age children after school to create fun things out of garbage. (laughs) Literally a garbage art workshop. For sure, yeah. And it got so popular that I had some adults coming to me wanting an adult version and we did an adult version. Seriously. But the education too, of the process of the importance of not being wasteful and actually making something out of waste. I think it's so important right now for, well, I think people need to understand this, but I really think corporations are the ones that really need to understand this. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. 
but we enjoy participating as best we can as individuals as well. And I feel like a garbage art workshop might be pretty cool on the internet. <laughs> I think it was also so impactful for the, the people who participated because I mean, you don't get access to art supplies or toys. Not a lot of consumer goods got out there. So to be able to empower them to find potential and to find magic in art, I mean, in garbage that they could transform into art, it was really empowering for them to be able to create things with the trash that was ubiquitous in their community. That was really great to be able to facilitate and to see them make that transformation and begin to see potential in garbage and get excited about creating things. That was great. And themselves as creators, like you never know, you may have planted a seed in one of those little people that they'll end up growing <laughs> up and becoming a designer of some kind, a toy maker, or, you know, you I never hope know. so. Mm-hmm. Just the ability for them to be able to find new ways of, of doing things, find alternative ways of making things. The school system there really, really reinforces there's one correct way to do it. And so a lot of the kids struggled with my art (laughs) workshops because they're like, well, how am I supposed to do it? However you want. Uh, That was a bit of a learning curve. But yeah, I would like to, I hope that they'll remember those fondly and maybe take some of the skills or perspectives they developed in those into their their young adult lives. (laughs) And they're living in extreme poverty. Yes? Yes, that's true. Right. Okay. So those people are being shown when they're very, very young possibilities that they might not be shown otherwise too. And I think that that's incredible. They have access to art supplies. They just don't know it. The supplies are all around them, literally. Right. It's so special personally for me to get to share because I didn't grow up with art supplies and I had to be resourceful and make my own fun. And (laughs) that was kind of, that was how I did it is that, you know, you use what you have. So that was great personally for me to get to share. So there's no chance of a garbage art workshop online happening? Oh man, that's such a great idea. I think, I think it's totally possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't get me started. I have a biz witchy streak and I will hound you, Penny. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's a really fun idea, especially for kids and parents to do together too. That's really interesting. It's a good way to talk about environmentalism. And it's accessible, right? Everybody everybody can find some trash. Well, this many years into it, you're at least a couple years into this. You said 2018, you started sharing daily? Yeah. Okay. And so now you still sound kind of interested and intrigued. Like, yeah, it'd be fun to do a workshop. So my question is, are you getting sick of it? Is it, is the momentum creating more passion and excitement for doing this? Or do you mix it up to keep that passion and excitement in place? Like, how do you feel this far into it? Is it just a job? Some days do you wake up and you look at that white piece of paper like, (laughs) screw screw you. (laughs) No, actually it has, it's given me more ideas and more avenues to explore. And I, I think I have more ideas to realize then I have time to complete before I die, which is a great problem to have, right? Yeah. (laughs) I have all these ideas for projects that I'll probably never get around to. 
I think that's the hallmark of a creative person. I feel like we all have that bittersweet thing. <laughs> We're always finding new things we need to do. Yeah. There's just not enough time. I could make a TikTok. I could make a hard copy. <laughs> I could do needlepoint. I could do pencil sketches of old timey silent movie stars. Is that what you're doing right now? Are they all old timey movie stars? It's what I did my last full page. And now I'm doing old timey scary movie movie stars. Mm. That's what I've got. Today's Wednesday, and I did a drawing of Wednesday Adams today. Oh, I missed, I missed <laughs> her. I'll have to check that out. I just took the kid, the kid to see Adams Family 2. And in preparation, Gosh. we had to watch Adams Family 1 three Naturally. times in a row. Yes. <laughs> so he'll appreciate it too. Are you going to be making a coloring book at some point of all the many coloring book pages you have created? So I actually have... How many coloring books do I have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven coloring books. That you've um, published? That I have available on my, my website. Those were some of the first things that I did. I didn't Oh, I did have, not know this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, see, I'm horrible at marketing myself. You are. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> It's hernious. Okay, you've published seven coloring books. Yeah, and I don't know this, and I follow you daily. Yeah, well, you know, they're old hat to me. <laughs> mm. Yeah, okay, <laughs> so maybe that's part of make it and move on. I have a little bit of that, too. I end up going and just deleting things or retiring things <laughs> because I forget about them. Right. Uh, yeah. Or I've seen it enough, so other people don't need to see it. I've, I've got new things to, to work on. Um, but yeah, I've, I've done seven coloring books and those were the first things that I got into because I didn't, when you're in Peace Corps, you don't have anything. You give, you give away all your worldly possessions, go serve overseas, come back to the United States and have to rebuild again. So all I had was a, a sketchbook. And so I, I made some coloring books, which was a great way to sort of find what what iteration of my artistic voice I was going to have. My style has evolved quite a lot. When I embraced illustration, I just started finding, discovering whole new worlds to explore, really opened things up for me. And so coloring books was the first thing I did. I knew you did the pages. I just didn't know you had turned them into books. And I was connecting too, because you seem to really love to draw two things I love to draw. In addition to mush. <laughs> mushrooms I could draw <laughs> mushrooms all day but I have a thing for eyeballs I could just do that I could do the daily eyeball no problem the daily I'd be, eyeball <laughs> I'd be so happy about it but also faces like you love to draw faces I yeah. love to draw teacups <laughs> cups of coffee I could do that every day and there have been weeks where I or every day my drawing was a cup you could do the daily tea and there could be an illustration of tea and you could just spill the tea on somebody you hate <laughs> all these I'm, great ideas I'm, I'm, make, I'm taking notes taking business notes well, I would love to hear more about the Peace Corps because to me, you all are just these mysterious people that stand outside Trader Joe's and try to get me to sign <laughs> something to save the animals or the forest or whatever it is. But I really don't know. I really don't know much about the Peace Corps. Why? What? How, what, how did you get into this? Why did you get into it? What was it like? Tell us. Okay. I had finished my master's degree in environmental science. And I had done research on agriculture 
and sustainable agriculture and food cultures and how the way that we eat food and talk about food and think about food influences the way we farm it and ultimately the environment. Mm. So after I did that um, and was sick of academia, <laughs> um, I signed up to join the Peace Corps and work in agricultural development in the Caribbean. Uh, so I spent two and a half years in the Blue Mountains of Jamaica working with coffee farmers and banana growers. Oh my gosh, this is so fascinating and glamorous and interesting. I mean, I know the experience probably wasn't glamorous, but you've lived a life. It was a really rewarding and difficult, challenging experience. Part of my work was to be an agroforestry advisor and talk to farmers about sustainable growing practices and how to adapt to the challenges presented by climate change. But another part of my work was being a representative of the United States and doing cultural exchange. And a huge emphasis um, in my training was community integration. One, because it keeps you safe when you're a, a foreigner fish out of water living in a middle of nowhere in, in a foreign country, but also because it's, it's part of the Peace Corps' mission to further global peace and friendship and cultural understanding and cultural exchange. Mm -hmm. So while working out on farms for long days and... Um, doing those consultations seemed more like my work. The hardest work was <laughs> learning the language and learning how to impress people by opening coconuts and, <laughs> <laughs> and learning the Jamaican dances and like becoming Jamaican. Um, <laughs> Gosh, I know glamorous was just the worst word, but exciting maybe was a better like this is the stuff you want to read about in a memoir what what do you mean by cultural exchange what does that look like specifically well it looks like me learning how to cook Jamaican food and speak Jamaican language and understand what it is like to be a Jamaican there's a different mindset and worldview and value system that you really only get to appreciate when you live there and live in that world and understand their cultural context, but also get to provide insights on what American culture looks really like. We export a lot of our culture and our media. And in a place like Jamaica, or all the Caribbean islands, they have a lot of tourist traffic. So they get insights into what they think America is like. And of course, that's not the whole story. So getting to represent your America and your Americanness. <laughs> in this culture and usually in rural communities where they don't get to see a lot of foreigners providing a more nuanced view of what America is like and what it can be. Not every American woman is the same. <laughs> Correct. Yes. So really, I mean, it's creating dimension and nuance where maybe they only kind of have the cardboard cutout version that media presents and marketing. Exactly. And if, you know, ultimately your goal is world peace, 
being able to understand people from other places in that nuanced way is, is a big part of it. So does Jamaica have their version of this and, and they're working together or how do you get connected to their community? That's a great question. In all the countries where Peace Corps operates, they aren't there just because they decided to be there. They're there because the countries asked them to be there. And so Peace Corps operations in each country are staffed by an American staff and people from the host nation. So I was onboarded and trained by both Americans and Jamaicans, and they all worked for Peace Corps. Oh, cool. Um, and they developed the goals that you'll work on in the country together. So Americans can only work on what the Jamaican government says, this is what we need. We don't give them what they don't say that they need. And so that's why all of the work that you do is dependent on whatever country you happen to be in because all of their needs are different. So it's not about like being a missionary for America. It's, right, right. It's, I just wanted to be clear about that. <laughs> and how did the locals feel when you first come in? Are they hesitant or are you working with a group of people who know this program and they're like, yay, more people? It's a, such a mixed bag. There's a lot of excitement. I mean, these are small communities, like I said, usually in rural areas, so that, that they get to be chosen to host a volunteer who's going to come and help them is both exciting and makes them feel special. But sometimes people don't like you being there. They don't like foreigners and they don't like the United States. Sometimes they are excited to have you there because they want you to do something specific, which is not really what you're there to do. <laughs> So there's always a bit of um, negotiation that takes place. And then every person, every volunteer who ends up out there is different and has a different skill set and needs to find the way to get their work done that, that they're best suited to. So people were disappointed that I wasn't a man. Mm -hmm. Like, we need someone to work on farms. Why would you send this white woman? <laughs> <laughs> One, she's going to burn. <laughs> So, so I mentioned that I served with my partner. He worked on, he worked in primary schools as a literacy advisor. Hmm. So he worked in the schools and I worked with the farmers. And when we got there, they thought that he was there to work with the farmers and I was there to work in the schools. And they, they were a bit oh, disappointed when they realized. That is interesting. <laughs> Gosh, I have to ask. I'm so curious. So no money is exchanged. This is a completely volunteer situation. Yeah. So they pay for you, like they, they pay for you to be there. Your housing is arranged because it has to be approved. You're given a, a stipend to buy groceries that's commensurate with like the standard of living that your neighbors would have. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I didn't get paid for that. <laughs> what compelled you? Why did you want to do this? Apart from being sick of academia and just wanting something different, I felt that it was an excellent opportunity to get to work on projects to help make the world a better place. It was great experience for me, just pro like professionally. I can now say that I've worked internationally on international environmental projects, but honestly, it's because I'm a naive, altruistic person. <laughs> Oh, and we need a lot of those. It was something I always thought.
thought I would do growing up, I think. And then, you know, I met my partner and thought, well, that's a tall order. You can't just ask them to, to leave everything and go work several years for no money in some country that you don't get to pick. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, one day he's like, hey, have you ever thought about serving in the Peace Corps? actually I have and it's an intense process to apply it takes about a year you do interviews and medical screenings and when we applied you didn't get to choose what country you were going to you, you often have to learn a, a new language yeah you gotta weed out the riffraff this is too delicate of a situation <laughs> that's true if you if you make it through to the other side of that application process then you're probably going to do okay right right yes so it didn't occur to me you are working professionally in some field that has to do with environmental science and what penny made is a side hustle it is oh oh why <laughs> why did i not put this together okay well tell us about that penny well okay it's actually a it's not a sad story. It's like, it's ultimately a good story. I came back to the United States in 2018 because my partner had, had gotten a job out on the West coast and I come back and had to spend a good several weeks getting used to life in the United States again, driving on the right side of the road and mm -hmm. supermarkets. And it was all very overwhelming, <laughs> Yeah, um, but also learning this new region and what opportunities are out here for someone like me. And I landed a job with the county as an environmental health specialist, which is a very broad, broad kind of job. And it ended up being a horrible fit and a horrible workplace. And after having had that intense job overseas, I couldn't last three months at this mm. <laughs> county job. So I ended up quitting. It was so awful. And in, in my state, <laughs> in my mental state after quitting, I needed something. And what Penny made became a business after that. Oh. I was, I needed that time to invest in myself and to, to take time to heal and think about what I thought was important. And so I made my art a business. I love that. You know, it sounds like you experienced some kind of integrity breach. You know, if you're living <laughs> in Jamaica, working with the Peace Corps, <laughs> making art out of trash, and <laughs> then you come back to this overstimulating environment and land in a toxic work environment, I feel like that would be pretty intolerable. And it would make sense that you would seek solace in your art. It was very jarring. And I had, I had a friend ask me, so like, is art your thing that you're going to do now? And I said, I think art's my parachute. It's what comes out when mm. I don't know what else to do. It comes out when I'm falling. And oh, it was so great to have my art as my parachute when I was falling after that experience. I know your illustrations so well. I can picture an illustration of Penny parachuting parachuting down <laughs> into a field of tea and flowers and mushrooms. <laughs> I love this. All of this really comes together in your art. I can hear these stories. I can see them in your art as I'm listening to you talk about them. I'm so glad I reached out to have you on the show because this is answering a lot of questions I had, but also kind of fleshing out the person behind the art that we get to see this daily practice. 
the environmental science degrees I'm curious about too why that is intense were you a very studious kid and how did you end up gravitating towards science I was always one of those high achieving kids and my parents made it very clear that art was a, a nice hobby, but you can't make a career out of that. So don't do that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I was always pretending to be a fairy and wanted to help <laughs> stuff grow and save the world. And so, you know, uh, my senior year of high school, deciding what to go study, I was going to become an environmental scientist and save the world. Ah. <laughs> well, there wasn't any deep thought. I was just going to save the world. And it, and it's suited me pretty well because it's very interdisciplinary. I have a lot of interests. I like knowing a lot about a lot of things and a degree like that and that kind of work allows me to be involved in a lot of things. It's ecology and politics and economics and sociology and culture. So I, I picked something that let me do a lot. And it informs your art and I'm a person, I will fight anybody who wants to argue with me about this. I believe that art actually can save the world. And some days I believe it's the only thing that will, because (laughs) it's because it changes people's (laughs) minds and it touches people's hearts and it puts us in the shoes of another life. We get to see the world through another pair of eyes and Absolutely. I think it helps us to form our realities. It would be really different watching Al Gore stand on stage (laughs) talking about an inconvenient truth. So they turned it into a documentary that was entertaining to create art and make it land. Do you know, I think of that as an example when I exactly, yeah. But also just different movies I've seen that open my eyes up to different perspectives. Or sometimes you can see a photograph or an illustration that maybe portrays an animal in a certain way that really touches your heart and makes you rethink your impact on nature. And so I, I do believe that. I think art has instigated more change in the world than any scientific paper. It's Um, always ahead. It's it's always ahead. Always. In fact, artists get persecuted often if they're, if they're traveling up ahead too far. (laughs) (laughs) So it, it, yeah, we have a long history with that and I could definitely go off, but I don't want to get too far off course because the whole point is to get to know Penny. I feel like we've gotten to know a lot more. You may be shy, but once you open up, there are stories. How do you like TikTok? Speaking of opening up and being oh dear, on camera. I think much like how sharing your authentic self anyplace else brings people who understand you and enjoy what you do to you. The same thing I have found to be true on TikTok as many 12 year olds doing dances and lip syncing there are on that app. I have managed to find all of the, <laughs> all of the people that are a bit more like me. <laughs> yes. Like attracts like, especially on For the sure. internet, especially on the internet. Cause the internet's spying on us and those algorithms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But in that one regard, it's <laughs> quite useful. I think it's allowed me to show a greater diversity of things. My face being one, of, <laughs> being one of them. But that's also where I will share 
I share more like the recipes and the foraging that I do and just different glimpses of my creative life end up on there. I feel like I'm stuck in a, in a very small corner of TikTok, which is fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> There's Maybe. a lot out there and I'm doing one very specific thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a little scary at first. There's that scene in uh, the movie Hook where uh, Robin Williams' character gets to Neverland and meets the Lost Boys for the first time. And he's like, where are all the grown-ups? I had that moment, <laughs> my first <laughs> my first yeah. experience there. But the algorithm works pretty well and it quickly gets you to people with whom you share interests. Yeah. I've, I've, found, I've found success there. Yeah, I, I don't even use it as a user. I just see it if it pops up on Twitter. I'm happy they're mm-hmm. compa- compatible because I can see some of what you're doing. And <laughs> I think this idea of you being a whimsical person, clearly you're a very down-to-earth, studious person. I think the whimsical thing I picked up on from your personal art journals, sometimes they'll share a page out of them and they seem pretty whimsical to me, but TikTok, especially watching you make something and the way that you edit the video together while you're showing, I'm going to go back to the acorn coffee again. I apologize, but (laughs) it left an impression, but watching that process, you know, there's something very mesmerizing about it, but also kind of whimsical because the way it's, it's cut, if that makes sense. Edited. Well, thank you. You're making it sound like I put a lot of planning and effort <laughs> into it. I think for me, it's been a great creative exercise in just sort of thinking in a way that I don't normally do with static art. Moving art is very different. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it lets different parts of my personality come through. Yeah, It's been interesting. <laughs> Let me give a shout out to a few other things you do. You do custom illustrated flower bouquets. We know everybody that she now has coloring books for sale. (laughs) You have a space on your website where you do commissions, you do interviews with fellow creators, and then you illustrate those interviews, which is super sweet. And I'm saying all of this to wrap it up and, and get you to tell everyone your URL so they can go find you and check all of this out. You can uh, find me at whatpennymade.com. And I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok and Pinterest at what, what Penny Made. You know what I forgot to ask you about that I feel like we should mention to you are you do these snail mail art what what do we call these I don't know what they're yeah, called you've been I do doing this art, for a art while swaps. <laughs> art swaps okay I, I I'm trying to wrap it up but I meant to ask you about that so we could be quick it actually started out very informally I I think I asked people for their address if they wanted me to send them something because I just wanted to send out art to people. So I gathered all these addresses from people in my community, some of whom I knew and some of whom I didn't know. (laughs) I just sent out art and would find opportunities to put together fun, creative snail mail packages for people just because I liked doing it. And then a group in my community decided to start like a formalized art swap on Instagram and then in our community. We do an art swap every month on a different theme now. And it's so much fun. And I love getting introduced to people through their art. I don't know these people in real life. 
Mm. Um, but I have things that they've made and that seems so very special. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it, it's kind of a funny way to end this interview. Cause I was talking about, I don't really know anything about you, Penny, but I just love your art. There's something enough about that. You know what I mean? Like you can follow someone for years online and feel like, you know, them in some small way, even though you may not know the details of their lives or even if their name really is Penny. <laughs> a little piece of your soul's essence comes through somehow some way that's for sure pieces I live pieces of me all over the place love it love it <laughs> okay so I'm gonna ask you the last final infamous question that I always ask what is one tip you have for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams oh man to show up every day <laughs> Well, hello. Yes, that's perfect. <laughs> Show up every day. Do it every day. Don't stop. Yeah. Just a little bit. You can do a little bit. You don't have to do it all every day, but do mm -hmm. a little bit. I love this. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for asking me. I've admired your work for a long time. And so it is surreal and flattering and, and exciting to get to actually speak with you. And now you're leaving a little piece of yourself here. <laughs> That was so fun. And I gave her a little bit of a hard time there about not promoting her coloring books, but I can see in the last week or so, she has a cookie recipe coloring book that she has been promoting since we recorded this interview. I don't know if I'm just noticing it now that we've had this conversation or if she started going harder with the promotions after having this conversation. But either way, I am thrilled to see it. You got to promote your work, people. You got to promote your work. <laughs> also, if after listening to this, you love the idea of her bringing her garbage art workshop to the internet, please go bug her over on Twitter or Instagram and let her know that there is a demand for something like that. I feel like it could be really good. And she said she wanted to save the world. That's one small way I think she could do it. More pressure for you, Penny, if you're listening. <laughs> and again, speaking of artists promoting their work, my audio journey, The Magic Star, Five Steps to Deliberate Creation is on sale for a limited time. You get 50% off when you enter the code groovy at checkout. It's all lowercase. When you put groovy in at checkout, you will get 50% off the magic star, five steps to deliberate creation. There will be a link to that in the show notes, in my newsletter. You can find it over on gumroad.com. I hope you're enjoying the holidays so far. And until we meet again, much love to you. Peace. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.
If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.